afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope everything is fine. You're you're doing great. Um, it's a bit of a how would I say? It's a bit of a gray morning here in Lagos, Nigeria. It's rained at night. It was very hot during the day. So I guess that thing that happens when it's very hot during the day and then you know the rain comes that happened and um, we're just hoping it will be a cooler day today it's actually election day in nigeria today and we believe and we pray that the will of the lord will be done the name of the lord will be glorified um i i actually thought i would want to talk about you know the good samaritan and the reason why i believe that or rather I should say one of my aha moments as a Christian in the past two or three years was realizing that I had been reading the the Bible or rather yeah that I was I, I was I was I wasn't practicing the faith well I wasn't practicing the faith rightly and that I was living a very self-centered Christian life you know and um, because the way things are right I mean the way things are in my own context and environment once you're a christian you know you you, you live a le- relatively moral life you have a normal i mean you're doing you're a model citizen and then you attend church regularly you belong to a church group maybe hold some positions and you pay your tithes regularly and your offerings you're a good christian that is what is taught in a lot of the churches that operates around me at least in the pentecostal circles that i belong to and it took my um it took me going through some really challenging times um in the past two three years three years really that made me go back to my go back to the beginning pretend as though in fact let's just say reset my life rededicate my whole life and start reading the Bible afresh. And it was like God just opened my eyes. And I saw that. I mean, it wasn't like um, I was reading anything that I hadn't read before. But I started reading it. Reading what the Bible and seeing what the Bible was saying. Not just what I was, what I wanted it to say. Or what I have been hearing people say that it says. And there was just a picture that was um, building up very clearly i could see the difference between i could see that the christian life seemed to be one where jesus wanted to come comes into your life he saves you and then he saves you for the purpose of he then transforms your life and in the process of transforming your life he begins to he saves he, he saves and he wants to use your life as a way of saving and transforming other people's lives so what jesus really wanted to do was to replicate himself in every believer and we know that when Jesus started his ministry, he was focused on others, not himself. He, he, he focused on himself so that he could be able to minister. So he would set apart me time. I mean, I really like that. I, I just love that about Jesus. I like the fact that he used to have alone time. That's what my son calls it, alone time. We all need alone time. I mean, if, if, I, I, I can't imagine that there's anybody that has, that doesn't make out time for me time. Jesus did it religiously. But it wasn't me time to go and be having a pina colada or, you know, or whatever. It was me time that he could, so that I could spend time with God. But it was time for him to refresh, to recalibrate and all of that. 
But apart from the me time, every other time, so let's say 80, 20, 20% of the time, he would spend it in his refreshing time with God and all that, separate himself, find a quiet place, go to a mountain, solitary place. We also know he spent 40 days in the wilderness before the start of his ministry. But other than that, the rest of his life was ministering to people and to others. Now, we know that Jesus' life was different because, I mean, he was, he was, he's the son of God. He was the word made flesh and he was, he was the savior, the reason, I mean, the lamb of God, all of that. So he, and he had just three years to live. So he, you know, there were many things that he could not do. He was, he would not live a natural life like we would. So we understand that. But generally, when you read his teachings, I mean, like you really read his teachings, read it as though you want, you know, just read his teachings, the book, the gospels, you see that Jesus was very big on changing the world, on transforming lives. He wanted us, he was raising soldiers of Christ, really, disciples. I mean, he said to the disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I mean, what does that mean, really? He didn't say, follow me and I will make you rich. He didn't say, follow me and I will heal you, even though, I mean, that would happen. But he says, I will make you fishers of men. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, for people like me who were not... I mean, if I, as I'm reflecting on that, I'm just having a quiet moment here because I'm, as I'm reflecting on that, I'm realizing that it is impossible to follow Jesus and not be a fisher of men. Anything that is, any practice of Christianity that is focused on self to the detriment of others or over and above others, it is not Christ I am following. It's not Christ you are following. It's not Christ we are following. So why I was quiet for a minute there is because I realized that I, I wasn't following Christ. I was following a counterfeit of what was, you know, what was, you know, what I thought was, was him. I was actually following myself. So when I started reading the Bible, you know, and the Holy Spirit was... Just, I think, I, I won't even say he revealed things to me because then I, that's like me saying, okay, you can't question what I'm believing because it's the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying it's like a veil was removed from my eyes. I could see clearly because the Bible is clear in what it says. The only thing that will stop us from understanding what Jesus says, I mean, there, there are parts of the Bible that is very difficult to understand. And even when I read what Bible scholars say about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's possible that this is what this verse is saying, but this passage or this book is saying. But honestly, we will not know until Jesus comes. But let's just agree that, okay, this may be what it's saying and, you know. But in the Gospels, the Gospels are so clear. They are so clear. A child, a five-year-old can read the Gospels and understand it. Six, seven, eight person can read. They can understand it because Jesus was very clear. He was very, 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 very clear. He described things clearly. He taught, you know, even when he taught through parables and people didn't understand, his disciples would go to him afterwards. He would explain. He told the disciples, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. A city that is hid, uh, that is um, set on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, go into all the world and teach the gospel. 
He says, lay hands on the sick. He says, cast in the name of Jesus, cast out. He says, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the sick shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues. He says, seek you first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, you, shall, you cannot serve God and mammon. He says, any man who will not deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to, you have to deny yourself. In fact, it even says, you, I think there's a place where it says you have to die to yourself or something like that. He says, deny yourself and follow me. He talked about the parable of the sower. He said, the person that loves me is the one that does what I say. That he that hears the word of God and doesn't do it is like someone that you know, um, built his house and he did not build it on a rock. And when the storms and the winds came, he blew the house and the ruin of the house was great. He talks about the good Samaritan. He talked, In fact, he told people, he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust will corrupt or where thieves can break through and steal but raise up for yourself lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth nor rust cannot corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal that was what Jesus was about he, you know he said love your neighbor as yourself do unto others as you would want done unto you you know, he was. It, there was nothing in what Christ preached. He hardly ever talked about, you know, turning, turning your life around. For him, it was a given. Once you receive me, I come into your life. Your life is already turned around. Salvation was the. I mean, as far as Jesus was concerned, receiving Christ and the salvation that He brings was it was a, was a, a, a massive gain. Salvation was not a stepping stone to becoming rich. Definitely not. Neither was it a stepping stone to acquiring possessions and becoming this celebrity person or, you know, one, you know, well-known person. But that wasn't at all what he was, Jesus was all about. In fact, if you know, Jesus did everything to make sure that his fame did not get out of hand. When they tried to make him a king, he told them, no, 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 no. He, he went away, even though he was a king, really, I mean... You know what I'm saying? When people, when he healed people and they said, you know, he would say, you know, he would tell them, don't, you know, just go your way, glorify God, tell people. He, he didn't want them to make a lot of noise. That wasn't what he was about. He says, my will is to do the works of God, to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That was all Jesus was concerned about, the work of God. And he also said to us that the servant is not greater than the master. His life is the model for us to follow. I think the question that I think every Christian needs to ask themselves is that, are we following Christ or are we following the church? Because I think it's two different things. And when I mean the church, I don't mean the church of Christ. I mean the church that we see around us, that we attend physically. Because what I see is that in a lot of churches, they're not necessarily following Christ anymore. You know, They're not necessarily. They have set up this set of doctrines and activities and programs which are very much focused on the church's agenda under the banner of Christ supposedly but to follow Christ hmm, 
and sometimes I wonder because I, and this is me just thinking because I know it's it's actually very difficult. I think it's quite difficult for a for a church an institutionalized church. I think the bigger a church is, the the more difficult it is to to raise disciples that will really follow Christ. That's that's my my thinking. Particularly when you become a church, you have bills, you have things to pay. I just I just find that it's. It's difficult. I, I honestly think, this is my, my belief, my theory. I sometimes believe that maybe the church would be better served if it was more like a movement. I know even movements can have troubles and things like that. So, But I just think that that whole... Anyway, I guess there's a balance in between. So maybe there are different... I think there is space for different expressions of church. I think that's the way I would put it. And I think as a Christian, if you are following Christ... And you are in a church, a physical church, and you are there, and you, 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 you have to stay connected to the word of God. And if you find that the local church that you're in, for some reason, God is creating an urgency in you, and you're realizing that the practice of the faith is not getting to you to where God wants you to be. Um, don't you don't remove yourself from that church or from that gathering if God does not tell you to do so. But find some other extra church. Uh, you know, um, whether get involved in something, you know, maybe um, a mission, maybe even you may even set it up a ministry or whatever. Maybe some of this online, whatever. There, I think there are lots of. Um, I think when my my seminary people call it scattered church. So I think the scattered church thing is when churches that are not necessarily like physical churches, but they are ministries, they're actually doing the work of God. You know, you may also be involved in a mission, so supporting some missionary somewhere, but. I see right now, from my standpoint, and I, I would, for those of us, any, if you're listening and you're a Christian, you've been in church circles, there's a big limitation, I think, in the way in which um, churches are set up now, and particularly, I'm talking of my context, it may be different, I know churches in Asia are much more, I think, modeled like the early church type of thing. Um, I think the early church model is the standard for believers who are completely sold out and focused on ministry so much more than ministry to others more than ministry to self this whole thing that we have right now where believers are coming to church and all they're thinking is their own problems i i don't think i don't find any there's no um how would i say um, um reference for, for such in the bible the bible tells us how believers improve themselves and how they receive the power of god to save and to heal others and how God transforms their lives as they begin to serve other people. So God doesn't wait until, you know, both are going on at the same time. You know what I'm saying? He, so God is not a, okay, fix me up first and then I can fix other people. No, God's fixing is salvation, Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus. As we receive that, as we go out and preach the gospel, as we go out and minister, then God begins to fix us. That's what he says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all the other things, including food, shelter, they will be added. This is where I think we've missed it because we felt, God, give me those things first and then I will begin to seek the kingdom of righteousness. Whereas when you get those things, when I got those things, I am not thinking kingdom anything. In fact, at that point, I think I have gotten it by my power and my might and then I'm giving God, you know, I'm then deciding what, you know, I will in quotes give to God and it's very performative it's just well yeah tick tick the box my heart is not in it my soul it was not in it and then you know for me I think the worst aspect of it all is when you then get to a situation in your life when you need the power of God 
and you now realize because what happened to me was that and and don't get me wrong because i was a really i was a very involved believer i was doing stuff but i myself knew inside of me that i i knew that it was it was what i was doing was was chaff i knew i knew but in fact there was once i had a a, a very frank conversation with um a dear sister but when i said to her i said i know i know that god has called me i know that i have not fulfilled god's purpose for my life and i don't know how to fix it i don't know but i i i dread the day i am going to come face to face with him because i feel i know i know i i mean i didn't think that he would cast me into the you know outer darkness or anything like that but i wasn't confident that i was going to hear well done thou good and faithful servant enter you into the into the joy of the lord i knew that i was not I was not, you know, when the Bible says to whom much is given, much is expected. I knew that I wasn't meeting up to the standard of what God had put in my life. I knew that. But I didn't know. But because I was doing what I was being told was the right thing, which is living right, living a moral life, paying my tithes and my offerings, I thought that that was enough. It was It was not. It's not enough. When you, in fact, and I would just advise anybody that is listening if you're listening and you're wondering what what is she talking about please just read the book of matthew just read or john or anyone from the beginning to end if you can read all four gospels fine but just read the gospel and read how jesus speaks to people about life and look for was there any place even when the disciples made a request from jesus did any of them ask him god make us rich or anything they said who is going to sit at your right hand that was the question some of them asked him and even for that he rebuked them because he said that shouldn't be what he should be worried about for rather your names are written in heaven and that what you're asking me for is even beyond my power is the god that will determine who's going to sit on the left or the right but he then wanted to refocus them to what's more important there was a place where when he said when jesus said it is very difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of god again these are the things that nobody preaches these days but he did say that and then the disciples said how then can anybody be saved then jesus answered and said um what is impossible with men is possible with god but what he was saying he explained it in another gospel where he says it is very difficult for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of god and that is very important now what i find is even in our churches we trust in riches. We trust in riches. That's why you spend a whole lot of time talking on tithes and offerings. Sometimes you can have a, 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 a pastor speaking 45 minutes, 20 minutes on tithes and offering. We trust in riches. We trust. We tr- Our trust is 100% in, in money, in the money that comes in into the coffers. 100%. Honestly, I... I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answers really to a lot of some of the things that I reflect on here. But you know, sometimes you can look at something and know that this is wrong. This is not, there's something wrong here. There's just something wrong about the model of the church that we have right now. I don't know what should be in its place, but that focus on money, focus on buildings, focus on people in the pews. Let them just come, you know, as in, of course, the money is linked. The people in the pews translates to the money. And then, of course, the status of having a big church and, you know, big buildings and huge crowds and all that is so, there's just something off about that. And the people come, they're Christians, but they are unable to transform anybody's life apart from their own, even their own. So if 10 years in, all they're doing is still asking God, bless me, bless me, as if we are under the old covenant. It's so bizarre. But the funny thing is that when you're in it, 
you don't see anything wrong with it because you think well that's not jesus i mean that god loves us that's what he likes no new testament god the new testament covenant which we are under because god works in dispensations old covenant yes it was a bless me bless my family covenant that was all they they, they obeyed god and he blessed them new testament is lord save me and help me save others that's it in the process god will do whatever he take in it he needs to enable you to save other people to heal other people to bless other people so yes he will take care of you financially physically and all of that but the intention is not primarily for self it is more for others because god is already in you he's already committed to you so he's going to change it i mean his intervention is already guaranteed but it's not a transactional thing where you say, oh, God bless me, prioritize. It's not me that I'll prioritize or put my own things, you know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I, I trust that the Holy Spirit will experience it. Will, 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 will say what he wants to say out of this. So, and this is something I myself, I'm still getting my head into it because for at least the past 20 years, I have been raised in this self-centered practice of Christianity which has no basis in the word of God so I am just learning now relearning, unlearning and learning afresh how to live a Christ-centered other-centered service Christ-centered worship life and an other-centered ministry service and community life service to community life I am just learning it. There's some people that I know, they've always, some of my friends, they've been like that. Somehow they've been that. Oh, well, actually, one of them that I know, it was really pain that brought her to that place. So, pain and sorrow. So, I think there's something to be said about the kind, you know, going through some things in life that then changes your focus and then God is able to get your attention. But it shouldn't have to be that way. Because the love of Christ should be enough to make us see that God wants us to change other people's lives through us we are a lamp i now understand that when he says we are the light we're a lamp i'm actually a lamp so when i'm using that lamp only for myself what it means that i'm covering myself i have taken a piece of cloth and actually covered myself that's all of all of us that's what that's what we've been doing we are all covered lamps we've put a lampshade completely lampshade We've covered, dimmed our lights completely. Decided that nobody else is going to benefit from it. But God never intended it. What is the purpose of a lamp that cannot light anything other than itself? May God help us all. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted. And have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.